0: Good Tuesday, everyone. Welcome to the BallQuest.com podcast with Jesse Simonton, Rob Lewis, and Austin Price. Brent Hubs, glad to have you along with us. It's Florida week, Tennessee coming off a shutout over uh, Chattanooga. We'll talk much more about the Gators uh, throughout this podcast and obviously our Friday podcast as well. But let's rewind a little bit on on Chattanooga. Uh, From an individual standpoint, I thought Jesse hit it in in his review piece, kind of a bigger picture look as opposed to just Tennessee winning that game. Uh, what, what's your what's your offensive takeaway? We'll start on the offensive line. Is has Tennessee found their five? I asked this question last week about what are we looking for, Jesse? You said you know they had to find their right guard in this Chattanooga game. Did they find their five Saturday?
1: It seems like they're much closer to it. I think the question now actually reverts back to left tackle, and if Jameer's healthy, does he kind of you know take? Does he take that spot back from Wanya, and Wanya kind of becomes the super sub to maybe? Uh, let Trey, you know, get a breather for a couple snaps or uh, f- flex back out to tackle and, and play some while Jameer sits. But I, it seems like, based on Jeremy's comments Monday, uh, while I think they'd like Darnell Wright and k to be a little more productive, I kind of outlined it in my piece, there's going to be some growing pains, I think, <clears throat> especially with k as a pass protector. But you look at what he was able to do specifically as just kind of a road grader in the run game at right tackle, how could you not stick with that group?
2: Yeah, and I, and I talked with somebody who knows a lot more football than I do, and they said the main problem with, with K. Ron right now, and it's understandable, is that like his pass sets, he's setting up like a guard still, which is where he's worked primarily for his two plus years on campus, and somebody who knows a, a lot about offensive line coaching, so that's 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 a pretty easy fix. You know that if a guy can hold up in the run game, that's a that's a real secondary concern. But that that is somewhere where he's behind as a pass blocker played out in space. It's a lot different.
0: Secondary concern overall, but a major concern this week because you are playing a, a team that a, can get off the edge, right? A team that leads the nation in sacks, in part because they got ten off the edge, basically against Miami. So we'll dive into this again more later in the week, and, and Rob will have it to match up piece and everything else. How, how do you help? How do you help Calbert? How do you help Wanya Morse? You can't help both of them probably at the same time on the same play. So how do you help them there? Is this rollout stuff? Is it three-step stuff? How do you help out young offensive linemen?
1: Well, go ahead, AP. But I'll go ahead.
3: I was going to say, just get the ball out of JG's hands quick. You know, and I mean, you've got those big wide receivers. You let them use their bodies. And you know, if you if if all of a sudden you know the quick throw game or passing game, whatever you want to call it, um, is is basically an extension of your running game then, you know, I think that that's the way you go. But, you know, I don't let, you know, JG – some of those play-action throws seems like it takes forever to get set up against these defensive linemen. And, I, you know, I mean, they're a little dinged up up front, Florida is. But, I mean, like, against this group – you can't. To me, I don't think you can risk those long play action passes. Do you?
1: No, but I do think they're going to max protect. I, I, my guess is we're going to see a awesome lot of. Set, I think we're going to see a lot of seven man protections. You know, um,
3: kind of what they did last week, where they you know put Carvin and, and Locklear out there is basically a pseudo tight end.
1: Yeah, and they and they ran that out of, out of that set mostly, but they did. I mean. Uh, but to AP's point about you know some of those long drops, I mean I think Pruitt said it in his coach's show hubs that that touchdown pass that I had you know in, in in the in the review that Calvert got beat on that play action pass that went to Tillman, but part of that was JG's you know deal too. I mean he was late and it was clear you know some people on Twitter were like no he I mean Pruitt <clears throat> confirmed it that he took you know five steps or whatever when it should have been three or you know and so. Uh, it, he, he does have to get the ball out of his hands quickly. I, I expect Tennessee to attack Marco Wilson. I know we're going—you know—we'll d- dive deeper into into that as the week goes on. But the Kentucky had a lot of success going after him with Henderson, who's one of the best cornerbacks in the SEC. Out, we don't know his status as of you know Tuesday.
3: And you got the safety out for the first half. Yeah, right? and
2: I, I was going to say this goes. The, I, I agree that the short passing game is going to be the way they go, but it goes back to Hubbard's favorite point. Every year when it's Florida Week, if you're going to have success in the short passing game, you're going to have to beat press coverage off the line because it, it just you know disrupts timing. You you take three steps back, and all, you know the guy guys not where you thought he was going to be because he got hung up at the line of scrimmage, and that, that's a battle Tennessee has consistently lost.
0: Yeah, I started to say with the exception of one game, Tennessee's lost that battle for ten, twelve years. Which way you got to
1: run the ball? And Pruitt said that.
0: Got to run it. You've Got to be effective on first down. Um, You know, and and that type of thing. Can they run it, though, is the question. Can you run it based on what you saw on on the last two weeks? Does he got wide against BYU? I I didn't think, I I mean, they had early success running the football. Then they went through this period of, of time where they didn't run the football particularly well with their starters to close out the first half. Then in the second half, you got a lot of backups going on. It's hard to judge a lot of different things that way. But after that fast start where they averaged about eight yards a carry, they didn't average, but about three yards of carry for the for the rest of the first half they're going to have to be consistent in their ability to run the football. They're not going to average eight yards a carry or whatever but but they're going to have to be able to line up and run the football consistently for four quarters,
1: yeah, and Eric Gray, I thought missed a, a hole or two at times, but and that's but I think that's why they're going to go with you know the upside of calvert at at right tackle and and Darnell needs to be better as a run blocker, but again, his potential's there it, it has been interesting that thus far he seems. Uh, to, uh, according to PFF and even folks that you talk to, they've kind of been surprised. Even his, you know, his his head coach was like, "Man, he's you know," ran into him the other day. You know, he's he's been better than I think folks expected as a pass blocker, and now they kind of need to, to get that dog out of him. You know, that that he kind of showcase to become a five star of just kind of mauling people as a run blocker.
0: I would just wonder how much his head was spending on him on Saturday. I mean, you know, look for sure they were playing a team that that they were they were vastly superior to. They did what they needed to do. Get him in there and get all the work he can. But, I mean, you're, you're cramming a lot on his plate in about a four-day stretch, five-day stretch well, never, to try to get ready to play. Well, like
3: one year, they played him at guard in the fall camp. They never did that with Darnell. Now he was at right and, tackle and, the and, whole and, time, and, right? Right tackle the whole time. And, then, you know, and outside <laughs> of about two days, three days at the Under Armour game, where, I mean, it's all kind of just fun in the sun. Well, it's all one-on-one. He's never played inside. And did so um, I, the, the word I kept getting from – multiple people was the what you just said he's just swimming right now i mean like it's 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 coming it's slow but what the flashes that he shows is better than what they've had out there with you know ryan johnson and or riley so you know and i i agree i think just you know they're going to make mistakes you know they might give up you know a few sacks saturday but the potential to make you know a key block that springs eric gray for a 40 yard run is much more prevalent with that group than it is with you know the guys that have been here for four years
0: yeah and i think it's more than and you're right on a 40 yard run but for them i think they're looking for more of a four yard run can can you run it consistently four yards three and a half four yards of carry where you're ahead of the sticks because if you're in third long it's going to be a long long afternoon in the hot sun down there because they can, they can tee off and go at you that way so that's where Tennessee kind of finds themselves on the offensive line. I do think the left tackle situation is is kind of fascinating to watch because Jameer may you know probably will be healthy enough to go. He doesn't have a ton of experience at left tackle either, right? And, and so it's not like you're getting back a veteran who's done a lot of pass setting out there against speed rushers and that type of thing because he doesn't have a ton of experience playing the left tackle position at this level. So this is. What we talked about back in the summer, they're really going to go into their first SEC game and play essentially two inexperienced tackles. They are, plus an inexperienced guard, in trying to find their best fight. And their left guard, by the way, doesn't practice three days a week. That's that's, <laughs> you know, that's lost you, in all of this. You know what I mean? I mean, it, it's a pretty it's a pretty fascinating setup that they have on their offensive line right which, now, which
1: is why they're relying so much on on Austin Pope and, and DWA at tight end. And and I thought, you know, upon rewatch again, it's Chattanooga. It, you, you can't make sweeping conclusions, but that was about as impressive as he's been as a run blocker since he's been at Tennessee. Talking about DWA or, Anderson, or Pope. Anderson, yeah. well, Pope's been good all year. And, right? And Pruitt commented that. The concern there is how much do you rely on Austin a little bit too much? I mean, I had it two weeks ago that you know that that that, you know he was in on all those twelve personnel sets, and Tennessee ran the ball somewhat like ninety percent of the time and eighty some percent of the time it was going to his side. Then you know uh, another you know media alley does the behind the scenes with Chattanooga, and they confirm that hey, we're we're slanting eight to eighty one side because that's where Tennessee's running. Um, So you know if they're picking that up, you know, SEC programs with a million analysts, you know, that are watching way more film than myself and the Chattanooga people are doing. I mean, so that's going to be interesting. And that's, again, why I think Calvert could be an elixir to that problem because twice Tennessee did go away from its tendency on Saturday, and they ran behind 74.
0: Well, and look, you're paying an offensive coordinator $1.5 million. Buck, you know, to, to buck the tendencies. Exactly. You know what I'm saying. I mean, I get it. You've shown you've shown your hand the last two weeks. You, you, you better have your counter to that hand right. because that's why he's getting paid the big money. And I like
3: Jim, but you better have some some wrinkles coming off of that look. Well, and it's kind of like the you know the notion for the first two and a half games. Every time Ramel Keaton and Cedric Tillman come in, it's going to be a run. And then of course they throw the touchdown pass to Tillman late right. just to show a, a different wrinkle. You know. So yeah. I mean, like I, I'm not saying that. The first three games, and their one and two start. They've been setting things up for Florida, but I'm sure that they can look at the tendencies too and go, "Okay, we need to be able to have a different variation." Well, one would hope so because they've got as many analysts up here as
0: everybody else has. and
1: they absolutely. I mean, flipping to the other side, Tennessee was absolutely very vanilla defensively Saturday, where they just decided because the game got out of reach so quickly with the touchdown block punt, you're up fourteen nothing. You know, and it touchdown was twenty one nothing. Yeah, and so. They did not dial up very much pressure at all. Now, I thought I – thought, and I put this – Crouch's usage was very interesting to me, and I think that's something that we probably will see moving forward with him. I mean, he's what, – what, AP? He's like 200 – like, he's not like 235 pounds. Cavar's Crouch is closer to 250 than he is to 235. Um, and so they played him a lot like a traditional – Defensive buck end. Buck defensive end with his hand in the ground – um, opposite of Daryl Taylor, and he was effective. I mean, he was Tennessee's defense. and we can go. I mean, I don't know where you want to go next, but Tennessee's defensive line continues to be Dillon. uninspiring. So uh, I, would, I, I would play. I would play. You know, Kevard Crouch a lot more as, as that standard end opposite of DT. I'm not trying to drive the hot train too high. I'm just saying. I, I didn't. I didn't really see Crouch being an edge
2: player when he first went over there. But now he's starting to look. not this good. I'm just saying. Physically, he's starting to remind me a little. He's like a little embryonic Mac Wilson. Or Tim Williams. You kinda of see him you know, turn it into that kind of guy. Yeah. That Jerry I, had.
0: I think finding his best spot, he's gotta play the run better. He does. You know, he, he loses the football, which is to, to be expected because the only thing he's ever done on defense is an open space chase the football. Now you're moving him closer to the ball where he's gotta see stuff faster. Or he's got assignment. You know, and, and he's gotta he's gotta read zone read better and, and sometimes he things. goes too
1: high out of his rush lanes. Right. He did that twice too.
0: But but from a talent standpoint, when you look at where they are and what they're trying to get to, you do see it. You see right. the same thing with Roman Harrison. You know, there's, there's a play or two where they chase the ball down the line and make a tackle on the backside. That you're sitting there going, "I'm not sure who else on the roster makes that play." In terms of the the, the upperclassmen playing in front of them, it's just that's this is a tall order for them going into this weekend, which for we so. all know. But when you look at it big picture, those two guys have to keep coming for this team.
3: Well, as someone told me, you know, a month ago, the guys that Jeremy was talking about, you know, when he talked about guys that may not be ready right out of the gate and maybe ready game three, game four, were the Crouch, Roman Harrison, and then double down with, and likely by midseason, a guy like Tyus Fields. I thought it was interesting that Jeremy did bring him up post game. You know, I mean, like as a guy who, who kind of flashed for him. And, and, you know, probably I think he's flashed for the coaches plenty in practice from that safety spot with just his aggression. So, you know, the more Tennessee kind of looks for a playmaker at safety, the more they, you know, go with Roman and he has success, Crouch success, Henry success, it makes it a little
1: easier. problem yeah. is, as you're right, when you're facing this gauntlet of SEC teams, <laughs> woof. Well, and Fields, I mean, Fields, I, that play was obvious. I was on the field for that play, and you could just see. I mean, he read and react and just knifed in there. I had it in the review. He's that. That's the type of put that you. That's why you play special teams. Put that kid on special teams. And you go. And you go back, back to very his. Reason. And you
3: go back to his, his high school film. I remember watching it for the first time, and I, the one thing if having met him, in person, be I was shocked how aggressive he is. How much he loves contact. Like he was just it's so just like laid kid. back, yeah. you know, super polite, and then you know
0: put driving the,
1: his jeep, just yeah. chilling, <laughs> yeah, with the
3: top down. Yeah. <laughs>
1: well,
0: I, I think I think. I think two things out of that. One, I think, I think Pruitt was trying trying to continue to give words of encouragement to his freshmen. Right, you're coming. We see it. We're going to praise it. Keep coming. I think the other thing too is message delivered to Trayvon Flowers, who's not going the wrong direction right now. I'm not trying right. to pick on somebody, no, 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 but, he, but, he, but 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 his struggle. effectiveness is nowhere right now. I mean, this is a guy that everybody had a lot of high hopes for he's been lost more than he's known where to go in the first three games. He's just not played very well. Nigel made a pick on Saturday, but also disappears from time to time, as we know. Theo's kind of been the, the guy who sort of waited The most consistent, but his his you kind of know what you right. get out of him. The upside right.
1: isn't there. I mean, the one, the one freshman safety that Pruitt did not shout out, but I thought upon rewatch, had a nice game, was McCullough. I mean, part of the reason Fields didn't fast enough to be a safety. That's the question. And speed is always AP a- and I talked a lot about that when we were down at the Under Armour game. He's in the box. I think he's like perfect, especially down in the red zone, because he re- reads and reacts so well. And he's a really smart player, which again, upon rewatch, showed he lined up Tyus Fields almost every play out there. Like Tyus did not know where to go, and McCullough was smart. He was when he when he was close to the line of scrimmage, he could make plays. But the further you know, the further ways he goes. Macca- I think there, there's some concern there.
3: McCullough, more athletic. Todd Kelly. Is that is that kind of a, a good comparison? Yeah, maybe.
0: You maybe, know, yeah. I mean, I mean you very know, smart mark, football, football player, particularly
3: particularly Todd
0: after the, the you know you go back to Todd in the game that Tennessee beat Florida up here. Big interception and the, two, yeah, yeah, two interceptions. Yeah. He was he was fantastic in the run. It's the best game he played in his Tennessee career because I think it was as healthy as he'd yeah. been. They just. It never continued because of the knee problem that he had. But that's not a bad comparison because I think I think Jay McCullough has a does have a high football IQ, which is important. I thought it was interesting. Um, take another shot, people. I just use the word interesting again uh, in your drinking game, but um, noteworthy, I guess. Jeremy Pruitt telling you in his post game press conference, the way we haven't had a lot of alignment issues. The story in the athletic that you were talking about earlier that David Ubben wrote. Chattanooga noted that they had more alignment issues in week two than they had in week one based on their watching of the film. Daniel Petuli's important for this defense. That was plain as the, the most obvious thing, Rob, for me to see on Saturday. When he's smacking defensive linemen in the leg, telling <laughs> them to get lined over. he's turning to the safeties, oh. giving them the check. It was obvious how important
2: he is to this team mentally yeah. as well as physical. I part. don't think there's any question. I don't – I mean, I'm – this is not a negative against Will Ignat. I'm just if you think that he has the same grasp of the defense and the ability to help his teammates get where they need to be pre snap, pre snap as Daniel Batuli does, then I mean you're.
1: It was Ignat that was beating the hell out of his teammates. By the way, on oh. the, on the video, oh, was it really yeah. wasn't Batuli? Yeah. I thought that was Batuli. It was, it was Ignat, but, but Ignat immediately got benched for punching a guy. So. Well, he should have. <laughs> but
0: but I saw Batuli. No, to clearly communicate. Oh no, there's there's a, it, there's a meme.
2: Up. It's it's turned into a meme out there.
1: Yeah,
0: I mean, no. he, he was clearly lining, helping people get lined no, up, and, and communicating with the and I specifically with the, safeties.
1: the young safeties. Yeah, and, and I, don't, I, don't, and I also don't
2: think there's it. any question he's a huge benefit for Henry T. I mean, not that I mean, and that's very important. I mean, I, I think he takes a little pressure off of sure. Henry and Just
1: lets him go play. Yeah. Exactly. Don't I mean, I
0: mean look, look, you know, just watch and, for this. I, watch get for what, that. I get what Peru was trying to say post press conference or in his press conference. They yeah. haven't had a lot. Probably haven't had a lot of troubles getting the signals from the sideline. Okay, and understanding what the play call is, but we all know in this in in Jeremy's simplistic defense that's very complex, you have to make a bunch of adjustments, you know, based off site formations and everything else. And, And Henry's been asked to do that for a lot of people. Having Batuli back there to do that for these guys is a huge help to this to this team. I think I thought of of all the things they've done, that was as smart of a move as they've made this year, getting him a few snaps on Saturday. He's clearly not 100%. He'll be better this week. But get lathered up, get get some game speed reps, even though it's against Chattanooga, then get him out of the game. I thought that was really good management by this staff and the medical people for, for Daniel Petuli this past week.
3: Yeah, and then just keep getting more treatment until Saturday. Yeah.
0: I mean, you've got to have him. He's got to play... A bunch, but he needs to understand game speed. Needed a little bit of that. He didn't want his first game of speed work to be at Florida, so I thought that was a big get for Tennessee this past weekend.
3: Jeremy did not tip his hand on Bryce Thompson. I think he did tip his hand
2: to not to not just say no. I think I think you'll see him on the sidelines of Gainesville.
3: Yeah,
0: I mean, will it, he play?
2: Oh, I think if he's traveling, he's playing. I mean, here's
0: here's the here's the question, and here's what I don't know. This is this is on the grassy knoll deal. Is that Jeremy's call, or does he have to get approval? Does he have to get some other people to sign off on letting Bryce Thompson back on the field?
3: Before he goes to court? Yep. I mean, maybe, but I mean, I guess my kind of logic is if you're deemed not a risk and you're allowed to go to class for weeks now, if you're allowed to go back to practice...
0: Well, then my thing is why not play him some last week
3: against Chattanooga
0: for the same reason you played Batuli... Because he hasn't played either. I don't buy the whole he's out of shape for three weeks deal. That kid go out here and run. He can run for days. He can run 110s for days in the stadium. He's in a good enough shape. So why not get him a few snaps under his belt to get his confidence back going uh, last week against my, Chattanooga? My
2: conspiracy theory on that would just be for, for PR purposes. You can say you, you suspended for three games. It's the only, only thing I would say. I yeah. mean, like,
3: again, I said... 3 weeks ago. The most logical thing is is he comes back post bye week for the Georgia game. And he basically has missed the first month of the season. But but that means you're waiting till after the court date. Yeah, and and at, correct. But what Tennessee's needing in the secondary I, I, if I'm Jeremy, I play him, but that's just me.
0: But again, the question I ask is is that his call? And it I don't know the is. answer. And nobody to that does.
3: Nobody like, you know, I mean, I'd say very few people know whether that's his call or not. I mean, I do find it interesting that all they announced was he could return to practice. I mean, it was kind of an interesting release, you know. We're letting him come back to the practice field. And all he said was, "Is he needs to be around his teammates.
1: Oh, and then, then Pruitt on Monday, when he was asked if he was traveling, he said, I haven't decided that yet. That's all he said.
2: So we'll, we'll I mean, see.
1: Well, what, what has been decided is that Elante Taylor is on notice.
2: I, just, I mean, that Pruitt's statement on Thompson I mean, gives the impression that it's his call. But, right. But who knows? Yeah, who, who knows on that deal.
0: Uh you're exactly right. What 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 is what is very clear from a statement standpoint and an unwritten word is that Alante Taylor is in the doghouse. Yes. As this, and, this. and not just because of the one play at the end no, of the BYU this game. Is a,
1: and this and and I remember, you know, AP and I both took some flack during fall camp when separate people had told us, Hey, number four, Warren Burrell, is is working his way into the starting lineup Boy, over number two. Yeah. And it was going to be Burrell and and, and, and Bryce. And, and a lot of those you know, Tennessee fans kind of threw up their, their hands, like, what's going on? And it's, you know, I think this has been kind of a, a, a multi-week deal now for Elante. And you saw it come to fruition on Saturday where he worked he was playing mop-up duty with a lot of the backups and third stringers where, where Kenneth George played about all 40 snaps with the first, you know, the ones and some with the twos.
0: All right, and you said it earlier, you know, you don't, you know, put a ton of stock and, and go over the top with some things in this game. But what did you, you make of Kenneth George's play?
1: I thought he was solid. I mean, just, you know, I, I, he, he he was around the football. Other guys, you know, Chattanooga dropped about a, a lot of balls Saturday, but only, by my count, they only dropped one on, on targets that were thrown his way. Um, I know this.
3: Tennessee's former defensive backs coach was always very high on Kenneth George. He played the slant
0: really well. Yeah. He played the slant really well, dislodging the football there, you know, and –
1: and he's a get off the bus dude for Tennessee. I mean, one of those guys. He's tall, I mean, he, he's put together. He, yeah, he, I mean, he's, he's, he's a stout, you know, stout corner. So he just hadn't played a lot of football. So Saturday was big for him to play 40 snaps, you know, kind of in a row. I mean, that was big for Kenneth George's, uh, the next step in, in, in his development. Now, as Jeremy said, you know, if he can continue on the practice field, I think you're going to see him, obviously, with the caveat we don't know right now on Tuesday morning what's going to happen with Bryce Thompson. But. I think you know my, my guess would be is that forty one and not two is going to start again on Saturday.
0: Well, unless unless Thompson's available, then you would right. probably go Burrell and Thompson and, and Ken George be your third corner. Right, would we would kind of be the the way that that would go there. But regardless of that, it appears Ken George is ahead of Avilante Taylor right now in terms of the depth chart and what that looks like. Let's go back to the let's go back to the run defense up up front. Since they gave up too many yards to Chattanooga, they're giving up too many yards. We knew that the run defense was going to have its set of issues. Are they what you thought they would be in terms of run defense? Are they worse than you thought they would be in in run defense? Is the Chattanooga stuff just ignore some of that because that was mop-up duty with a bunch of guys rolling in so you don't get caught up in their 151 yards? Three games in, as as they get ready to go to Florida, what do you make of Tennessee's ability to stop the run?
2: I, I, that's about exactly what I thought it would be. I agree. Average to below average.
3: I, I would not get caught up in the 151 yards by Chattanooga because you're right; some of it was against you know the reserves of Moppet duty, but they're not very good. But the
2: more, I mean I, know, would, I mean, I would forget about the second half. But the Georgia State game, 215 yards—that's you can't and ignore that. Even if it was the first
3: Georgia goal. State, and then even BYU. It, you know, Jesse kept talking about you know why is it BYU continuing to try to throw it because every time they actually you know, played behind their pads, got north-south, they moved the football, go back to overtime. I mean, like, when they wanted to just plow it right through Tennessee, they did. So, I mean, like, I just – Florida's not very good at running the football. Outside of, you know, the end of the UT Martin game where they got a bunch of yards in mop-up duty against UT Martin and then, of course, the end-around against Kentucky the other day. um,
0: Yeah, Kentucky held them under 100 yards until that end-around play. Or
3: Hammond broke free. Right. They've not been a very good running team. But as Jeremy noted on Monday – they are going to be persistently trying to do it. So they're going to continue to run it and continue to run it and see if they can kind of break through, pop a big one. Um, so, I mean, I think Tennessee, to me, I, I hate to play the, you know, this is the double-edged sword. You, you'd like to sit back and, you know, see if your front seven can do it on their own. But I think you've got to bring kind of pressure from everywhere, you know, to, to try to stop the run.
0: Well, you saw Tennessee run blitz on, on first down against Chattanooga and to open the game to me that's a sign of hey we know we've got to be aggressive with stuff. Don't you think that they have to play that way in the run game that that they've got to run blitz and give some exotic type looks and try to confuse a, a Gator offensive line that's not been real good.
1: It's not been real good and it has a bunch of new starters out there. Um, yeah, I just just pulled up the stats. I mean, Florida's averaging 4.51 yards per carry this season, a number that has been inflated with some of those reverses and whatnot. Uh, and Tennessee's averaging 4.49 you know, through through three games, so they're they're kind of neck and neck right there uh, in terms of productivity. P. Ryan's a good running back. I mean, he is. A, I mean, he was solid for them a year ago. But as Tennessee fans can attest, I mean, if you can't block them, it's. Hard. I mean, John Kelly was a pretty good running back, and he struggled. You know, here several years ago. So I, I think that Tennessee I, absolutely. We that they dialed back the pressure after the, the score sure. kind of uh, escaped escaped uh, so so quickly. So I would expect a lot of you know, bare fronts and, and running some of those, you know, A-gap blitzes like like uh, Toa Toa did, you know, on the first play of the game.
0: Yeah, I think you have to. I think you have to be super aggressive because you can't let Florida get ahead in the sticks and, and being third and short with trash. We'll talk much more about specific matchups and things like that uh, in our Friday podcast, uh, as we get you ready for Tennessee and Florida, of course, we'll have things in the matchup piece, uh, more Florida talk all week long as Tennessee uh, continues their preparations for the Florida Gators. Not a whole lot going on in football recruiting right now. Uh, Tennessee's on the road. I guess the staff, with that at noon game, I don't know if they'll be out much Friday night, Austin. I mean, it's Monday, or excuse me, Tuesday, so some of those decisions still being made, but hard to... Hard to see Tennessee. I,
3: out, I, would say, out a lot I would say night. I would say Tennessee will have two or three assistants out Friday night. I mean, like and it's not going to be like some wholesale staff thing, but I would say two to three make their way out Friday night. Um, of course, you know, kind of the big news on the weekend. You know, two guys that took official visits elsewhere. Jay Hardy was at Georgia Tech. I don't perceive to be Tech to be any kind of threat there. Um, and Tyler Barron was at Kentucky. Um, from all accounts, you know, TB had a good time, but. You know, when they asked him to stick around a little longer, you know, he, he got on out of Dodge. So um, I, I ultimately think it's Ohio State's the main competition with Tennessee there. Um, again, Kentucky didn't offer until a month and a half ago, and uh, and really, you know, I, I think the interest the interest in Kentucky at all is based off the fact that you know Tyler's got a girlfriend that's going to be going to like I think Morehead State. So I mean, you know. I, I go with Kentucky. It's not a factor at this point. Well, who's the factor for
0: Hardy besides Tennessee? Who, who's in there? Georgia Tech. Okay, I get that he took that visit there. I don't see Tech being a factor. He's talked about taking other visits. Who else is? Who else is he going to? Well, I mean,
3: well, I mean, like a lot of kids, you know, mentally you you're always going to put like Georgia, Ohio State, these prime programs in your top. But I mean, is he a priority for them? That's right. my biggest question, and so right now I'm not sure he's a, a priority for either one. Maybe he's a priority for both. I'm just saying. Right. I'm
1: not sure so, that's set in stone. Would you agree, Jesse? I, I I would say he's probably not a priority for those guys. Yeah. I, I'd say he's much. I'd say he's a very he's obviously a huge priority for Tennessee, and then schools like Georgia Tech. Uh, and I mean, a, a school like Oklahoma would love to maybe host him. But he's not going that far. No. You know, I mean, like the, you know, okay. Tyler took that trip and. And was that, miserable. Yeah, that said, you got to change planes three times, and I, I'm not doing <laughs> but again, that again. But
3: again, though, Tyler, and this is why I say don't get caught in everything you read or see. Tyler, you know, was working the, the Lee Smith, Harrison Smith football camp this summer. New TV cameras were going to be there. Uh, and Oklahoma. he shows up in Oklahoma gear. Well, I know for a fact, based on my conversation with him, that the whole Oklahoma trip was a disaster from a travel standpoint, and and they're not even a factor. So, I mean, like, based off of that, you know, just because a kid wears a shirt or sure. retweets something, you know, doesn't.
0: But what does it mean? Hmm. It means something, right? Uh, obviously, with with the, an away game, you know, nothing going on much, but Tennessee's still gearing up for that Georgia weekend. Looks like they're going to host quite a few there, Jesse. Yeah, and
1: what I was going to say is it, an upset in Gainesville, I think, would certainly boost the, the potential recruiting uh, visitor list for the Georgia for game. the Georgia game. Not saying that it would necessarily impact these sort of decisions for any of these guys we talked about or any of these five, but I think it would probably help the visitor list versus if, if you take an L and have the bye week and then you know uh, we'll see what time that game is. We'll Does anybody watch. even
3: care about football recruiting for the Georgia game? It's, it's all about Rob and the basketball well, recruiting. That's where I was going to bring go me Jaden Springer. That's where I was going to
0: go next, Rob. And it, that that is the weekend for Tennessee basketball. Yeah, I mean it's.
2: I mean they'll have PJ Hall be in later. Later on, they'll have you know a couple of high profile juniors in. Where they at with him, for, by the way? For official visits, <clears throat> I think they're in the top three. I think Florida and Tennessee. you know, His sister plays volleyball at Florida. Mm. I think Virginia Tech is a dark horse since uh, Mike Young got that job. Um, you know, long time coach at Wofford. PJ's dad played at Wofford when Young was was a young assistant back then, so he's known the family the whole time. But Virginia Tech. I mean, I think winning is really important to PJ, and you know, Tennessee and Florida are set up to be very competitive. You know, top fifteen, top ten, top teams for the next couple of years, and Virginia Tech is not in that place. And you know, playing in the ACC, I have a hard time seeing that one. So they're they're in the middle of it. But Jaden Springer, what do you make of the Memphis stuff with Springer? I, I, but Memphis homers just <laughs> trying to convince themselves they got a chance. I mean, you know a little bit about this recruitment. I mean, we we felt good about Tennessee's chances for a long time. I mean, I think Memphis. I, I talked with some national people who have spoken with people around the Memphis program who I mean they were surprised Springer even took the trip they don't think they have a chance I mean I've been saying for a long time I think Tennessee's in good shape I mean Tennessee called Cam Hayes who just reclassified before he reclassified he was a number 17 player in the 2021 class They he was supposed to come in for a visit this weekend they called him the weekend before and told him not to come I mean come on they told the number 17 player in his class who has since reclassified not to not to come to Knoxville We, we I mean
0: Tells you that, tells it you that, tells me a lot about t- where they are with Jaden's yeah, play. It tells you a lot about what they feel. So we'll, we'll keep close tabs on that. That's the biggest thing going on in, in basketball recruiting right now and plenty going on on the football front as it's Tennessee and Florida. And we'll get you uh, as much coverage of that and get you ready for that throughout the week uh, as we do each and every week. But that's going to do it for the Tuesday edition of the VolQuest.com podcast. For Austin Price, Jesse Simonton, and Rob Lewis, I'm Brent Hubbs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day, everybody.